You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. The letter F. <laughs> mm. <laughs> nice. Um, hello, and thanks for downloading the two Sorry Excuses podcast, recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal Sanders. I'm your good buddy Liv. And if you are keeping score at home, this is episode 117, the Armageddon edition. If you're watching, uh, if you're watching the news, apparently we uh, Armageddon has come. Yeah, right. Apparently, I, I I'll I'll straight up tell you this. I mean, I voted for I voted for Gary Johnson. You know, which I don't even give a fuck if I was in a state where the where it was contested. I still would have voted for Gary Johnson because I'll vote my freaking conscience. And all these assholes who are bitching about Gary Johnson, you know, because in a lot of states like Florida and a lot like Pennsylvania, you know, big states, his vote percentage was the gap between what Hillary lost by. Oh, really? Yeah. But but the bullshit about that is... Most people who vote for Gary Johnson probably just wouldn't have voted at all. Yeah. You know? And yeah. another thing is, I don't know. It, I have a hard time believing Gary Johnson was pulling away all the votes from Clinton, too, you know? Right, 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 right. I would guess not. Yeah. If anything, I think you're right. I think they wouldn't have voted, or I think they. Uh, I, my guess is they wouldn't have been leaning towards Clinton. I mean, I saw a poll where it did say a decent percentage might have said Clinton, but I think, I think the majority, like like a, like a big majority, was we just wouldn't have voted. You know, when they asked the libertarian voters, you know, what their preference would have been. You know, right. if it was just an election, if your only choices were Trump and Clinton, I think most people, most most Johnson voters said they just wouldn't have voted. Okay. You know, right? So, right. so you're fucking wrong if that's what you're saying. But I'll say, but with that being said, I think Hillary Clinton is fucking terrible, and I think she would have been terrible for this country. But I also think Donald Trump is terrible; would be terrible for this country. <laughs> but I kind of thought Hillary Clinton might be not as terrible. I thought it was inevitable that she was going to win because I was like, at the end of the day. That's who I'll go with. So I was as shocked as anybody that Donald Trump won. You know. Yeah. Here, I, here's where I fall on it, and 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 I'm a little conflicted, and maybe, maybe this is why I'm feeling a little lost, a little a little forlorn. When I was, um, when I was younger, and this is one of those, this is one of those the De, Desantis family, this uh, this. The Santa's family anomalies that I always point to that I, I, in some respects, think I had a different upbringing. 
or a different experience than my siblings because I'm the oldest. So a lot yeah. of what my parents did and experienced, we were both experiencing for the first time. Yeah, yeah. So I always talk about that uh, that advice, that sage uh, wisdom that my dad gave to me when I went away to college, and he said, "Listen, this is your time to have a have a good time. This is your time to you know explore. This is your time to grow." Uh, but you have responsibilities, and treat those responsibilities as such. If you treat college like a professional, uh, if you treat it like a job, you can be an adult and and have as much fun you as you want outside of that framework. Essentially, what he was saying was, do forty hours of work, and whatever else you do with your time is is yours, and nobody's gonna nobody's gonna call you to the carpet. Yeah, enjoy your weekends. I don't think my brothers and sisters got that advice. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, you, we covered this before. We've yeah. talked about this before, right? Well, yeah. um, civic responsibility, especially when it comes to voting, I think is is one that I might have just gotten or I might have connected with independently. Um, because I remember as a kid going with my dad to the uh, uh, to vote, and he brought me in, and you know, yeah. showed me the showed me the 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 process and let me push the button and you know on the way out i remember him telling me you know i said we're gonna tell people who we voted we're gonna tell these people who we voted for don't we tell them and he said nope that's your business that's your that 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 that's something between you know you and your conscience and and if you don't want to share it then by by no means you know that's the same thing my mother used to always say because her mother used to say her mother would not tell anybody to vote because she says it's a personal issue Exactly, you know? and yeah. and I kind of grew up with that, and really fell on the the old Hell's Kitchen rules when it came to you know to to adulthood. Stay away from politics. Stay away from religion. Right? Nothing good yep. can come of those of those conversations. But I, I think that conversation is a relevant conversation to have now. You know. I, yeah, and I know because it's our time. We're living in it, so we're gonna think we have an egocentric view of it. But I think it's a time worth you know discussing. I think it's a time that's worth worth devoting to. Whether you you know whether it's just you and me shooting the shit, or whether you're you know with a group of of colleagues, or you know a group of like minded individuals, or even more so a group of of folks who I ide- who don't identify. The same way you identify with, and yeah. for the for the, I don't want to say the longest time, but for a while, I, and we talked about this. I don't think we ever recorded uh, on it though. Um, I was I, I've been trying to identify with the libertarian, with the libertarian party, right? Yeah. In in essence, and I had this conversation with my dad the other day. In essence, it sounds really great, right? Just a a, a, a a removed government. I don't want to say a distant government, but uh, a government that isn't in your face, that isn't in your affairs. And I and my dad said, "Well, you know, the Republicans kind of, uh, you know, kind of lean in that direction." I said, "Yeah, fiscally, 
But personally, they're in your business. Yeah, theoretically, they lean in that direction. But even fiscally, they really don't, no matter what they say. And he said, you know, my dad's like, you're right. You're right. That makes sense. But uh, the libertarians did nothing to win me over. They didn't get... the fact that I didn't know what their message was in this election of all elections means they didn't do a very good job of getting themselves out as a legitimate I'll, option. You know what I mean? I'll say this. I mean, I know what Gary Johnson's message is, and he's under the Libertarian banner, but I would strictly call him a big L Libertarian as much as a small L Libertarian because there's definitely a difference. Like the Big L, which is actually the party. Like if you look at the platform, and that's why a lot of actual Libertarian Party people kind of got pissed with Gary Johnson because he strays too far from the orthodoxy. You know, because if you look at the hardcore Libertarian Party orthodoxy, it's freaking really hard to operate under in this day and age, basically. Right. You know, like it's very stringent, you know, and that's why, you know, the whole idea that they shouldn't even have driver's license, like it's completely. There's no middle ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Gary Johnson's was more, uh, his philosophy was more nuanced, which is what, you know, which is what people really want, you know, I mean, which is what I mean. I think eventually we're going to get a candidate which will be considered mainstream who's promoting a lot of the same ideas you know such as like kind of like let's quit engaging around the world and everything you know let's restrain about the amount of money we're dropping on the military you know i think his position was to cut it by 20 percent, which is still not even that much concerned how much we spend on it already you know right right so let's bring all these people home uh, let's friggin' have criminal justice reform. Let's friggin' curtail the drug wars. Let's come up with saner immigration policy that actually, you know, makes it easier for people to immigrate and come and go as they please. You know, I mean, and there's a lot more to it than that. Being totally accepting of gay marriage, you know, uh, you know, there's just a lot more to it. Basically, the whole idea of, like you're saying, you know, let the free markets do what the free markets do and get out of everybody's fucking business, personal business. Yeah, see, that's I, that's, I can comprehend that and I can get behind that. To me, that's, to me, that's the answer to, to most things is yeah. just let the tide rise and fall. And everything is going to kind of even itself out. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think I and when they do surveys of the American electorate, basically, I think the majority of people really do believe that, you know, really, because if you look at like most people nowadays are friggin for legalizing marijuana, you know, right. Uh, also most people, and they do polls, think the government's too fucking big. So I think the average person's kind of, without knowing it, they, they're 
they're more libertarian minded than anything, you know? They might right. not think that, but they're more in line. But if you went and told them, you know, if you went through the, you took Johnson's platform and went and asked the average person on the street, just ran all shit, what do you feel about this? I'm sure most people, uh, or at least 50% of people you would talk to would probably be like, oh, that sounds like a good idea, you know? Right, 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 right. But the problem is parties are run by, you know, insiders and partisans who are all preaching one thing. I mean, that's why Johnson originally in 2012 was on the Republican, was trying to run in the Republican primaries, but couldn't get any traction because, you know, he, because that's not who they focus on. That's not how primaries work, you know? They they have the preset people who are, who are preordained, basically, unless you can crash the party like a friggin' Donald Trump, you know? Right. But right. but Donald Trump already had this name recognition to be able to crash the party, you know? Yeah. Like it's it's I don't know, man. It's it's just I was looking up something, reading up about a, a guy named John Anderson who ran basically as an independent in nineteen eighty, and I used to see his name like when I would look like in the almanac of presidential results. You know, I'd be like, who the hell is John Anderson, independent? You know, and then a few weeks ago, I was watching one of the old Johnny Carsons, and it was from like 1980, and they made a John Anderson joke. So I looked him up, and John Anderson was basically a moderate Republican who couldn't, you know, who who was in the Republican primaries in 80. You know, he did okay in a couple of them. He had this whole strategy where he was trying to focus on these certain states. And then eventually he just got overwhelmed by Reagan. <coughs> so he ran as an independent, but he actually got a decent amount of votes, you know? I mean, so like, I don't know. And he seemed to be, if you look at what Anderson was running on, it seems more of a type of idea that you're talking about, you know? I mean, I don't, I don't even know if, it, I don't think it's necessarily libertarian, but it's just not as, it's definitely not like super left wing and it's not, friggin' extremist, you know? So my question is, why can't those viable alternatives get their message out? I think uh, the big problem is uh, because <laughs> it's because everything needs to be friggin' everything needs to be worked on at the local level. And the problem is at the local level who comes out for the elections, the base, you know? They just I don't know, man. They just don't have it. You know, I mean I don't know. I mean I was look I was reading the other day, like, yeah, Obama won election twice as president, but if you look around state houses around the country, I think it said in the last the the thousands of uh, it's in the thousands. The number, the numbers of Democrats have lost seats in state legislatures. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's just the 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 general Republican establishment right now kind of has a stranglehold on the local elections, and that's what leads up to eventually getting the people that are in Congress. You know. Okay. All right. Because that's definitely I mean, the case around here. Locally, what's that? Um, Republican stronghold. Yeah. On you know the county 
level uh and then up to the state level in this in the, new jersey is is notoriously uh democrat democrat yeah and um but this particular pocket of new jersey um has more uh, Republican representation than most other parts. Yeah, of course. Just like any other state that might be blue or red, it's going to have some area that's, you know. This I is mean, where like, all the Wall Streeters commute to. Commute yeah, from. exactly. See, and more conservative, more people that are inclined to vote Republican. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think that has a lot to do with not being able to get that message out, you know? It's because. That's who's setting the rules for everything, you know, and they're going to entrench it to favor their people, just like in the Democratic Party, how they stomp down Bernie Sanders, you know, regardless of how terrible of a candidate Hillary Clinton was. But it was preordained that Hillary Clinton was going to be the candidate. So she was the candidate. Right. Right. You know, and the article I was reading that told me that said about how many positions they lost, it was pointing out that the Democrats Party is problem is that they really don't have any good candidates on the horizon for national office they're like you look at even though donald trump ended up coming stomping them and people made fun of how big the field was but you look at the field for republican party it was all kinds of guys in their 40s and you know for lots of guys in their 40s who were gonna be who are rising stars that were out there and the democrats don't have that on the national scale right now because they've been getting their asses kicked in the local elections for the past, like, 15 years, right? basically. And Obama is more of an anomaly than anything because Obama's a singular, charismatic leader. He's different. He doesn't... Obama getting elected didn't mean the state house in Wisconsin, which was always Democrat in the elections till this year, was... was uh, they still had a Republican governor, you know? But nationally, they were going Democrat. It's... It's kind of odd, but that's the way it works in a lot of these states, you know? Yeah. And then eventually, and it also works that way because who, if you get control of the state house, you draw the congressional districts. Right. You know? <laughs> right. But right. before I left work tonight, I saw something on the internet talking about, you know, for... for I mean, let's get back to this because this is the original point of everything and how, you know, the odd spot with Trump being president. Uh, Pew Pew Research Council did a poll. You know, of you know, Pew polling, right? Yeah. They polled like 3,000-something people about the election uh, before, right before the election. And, you know, about, oh, who you favor. And then there was five questions uh, – you know, geared towards each candidate, Clinton and Trump. And they were like, uh, you know, do you think, <laughs> who do you think will give America? <sighs> Let me look it up right now, because basically, you know, as low as Trump's results was on these poll on this, on these five questions, Hillary's was even worse on three of the questions, you know? So people were people at, at the end of the day, your undecided voter basically was figuring that Trump is the lesser of the two evils. Right. You know? 
I mean, I got to find the poll on here. So, I don't know. It just still boggled my mind the other night that he was going to win. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I had, uh, so my, my dad was, was like really anxious throughout the whole process and, and everybody yeah. was, an, everybody was annoyed, you know, I don't think. Were you, oh, you were hanging out with your family doing it? No, no, no. Just up until, up until the election day. Oh, okay. Anytime I'd see him, there'd be a new, uh, you know, a new story would break or Trump would would say something or do something and his base would or his supporters would you know rattle the cages and um i think what really what really uh put him over the edge was the uh rigged election right yeah and 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 trump's um uh, during the debate when trump said that that uh he would not guarantee that he would accept the results right yeah, that threw my dad over the edge. He said he's, you know, he's <laughs> he is um he's he's questioning the the, you know, the the moral fiber and the fabric of our democracy and you know, the peaceful transition of power. And I said, "Dad, w- relax. He's just, you know, he's just being Trump." And you know what? He's not even going to win anyway. This is where I feel really bad cuz I looked at a lot of the a lot of the political models you know 538 specifically you know analytics is now mainstream you know you don't yeah. have to be some geek to look at a model yes it's on espn.com yeah i know so i've gotten into that you know just scraping the surface of uh, of some of that approach and i followed it i don't it. think nate silver's been right in a while though <laughs> i mean i saw something about that last week that he's been fucking wrong i mean he called that one election or whatever, but he's been wrong on a lot of shit for the past couple of years. Which is really funny because when you when you hear him talk, and I've listened to his podcast um, specifically on the elections, he he refuses to 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 give a personal prediction. Right? His yeah. his his stance is: Listen, I created a model, and the model is giving me information. He's like, if I got hit by a bus the day before the election. The model is still going to exist, regardless of whether or not I, I give a personal uh, a, a personal endorsement for the model. But at the end of the day, he's the guy creating the model, <laughs> you know. So he's yeah. deciding what's the what are the important inputs to decide. But at one point, uh, Hillary um, had like a eighty seven percent chance of winning, according to the model. Yeah, yeah, I know so he does I, the percentages, right? I yeah. forwarded it to my dad and said, "Hey, listen, some smart people are 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 saying that you've got nothing to worry about." So on election night, I was watching the coverage. I had texted you and, and and told you I was watching the coverage, and I felt real invested. And I vote I voted every every election, local uh, and national, since since I was eighteen, and and, and take it very seriously. And oh yeah, you're committed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. School boards, the whole deal. Yeah, the whole deal. Uh, now I that was, I'm a homeowner, I definitely make sure to vote because that shit directly affects yes, me. A- absolutely. And I think it even goes back to to you know my dad bringing me to the polling place. I, I saw how how serious, how important this was. What a right it was. 
yeah, uh, and, and to take it seriously. So, um, I was watching the coverage, but I got tired, so I, I was streaming it on YouTube and, and just left it next to my bed and was kind of going in and out. And at, at one point, I came to uh, I came to consciousness when um, who was uh, Clinton's uh, De Podesta? Podesta. Podesta. D. Podesta was the baseball executive, I think, that was running the Dodgers for a while. Or Mike Gene T. Podesta. Okay, so Podesta. Yeah, yeah John Podesta. John Podesta. So they said uh, we're going to hear from from John Podesta now. Yep. And he said, "There's nothing for us to say. We'll be back in the morning. There's still plenty." I know of votes. when that happened. I was like, "Fuck, we're going to have to wait till tomorrow for all this shit." And I was so confused. Even though I was awake, I was confused. And I was like, "Wait a minute, what the fuck is going on here?" And I I looked up and 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 looked at the screen and saw that they hadn't called it yet. And by two a.m., it should have been called. Right. My my plan was go to sleep, wake up sometime in the middle of the night, check to see that Clinton had won or Trump had yeah. lost, and then I could go back to sleep. But I'm like, by two a.m., this isn't good. And uh, I w- I couldn't go back to sleep. I was up for the rest of the night. You know, yep. so uh, my whole my whole anxiety was over the fact that my dad <laughs> was having so much anxiety over this since it was still not decided. Yeah, and yeah. That, that the possibility of these uh, of uh, and I don't even th- I, you know I know that he had a problem with Trump, but I, he really had a problem with with Trump supporters. Right, just yeah, their, yeah. you know their their off center viewpoint of of government of democracy, and you know you want to sprinkle that with racism. Go ahead, sprinkle it with racism. You want to sp- sprinkle it with misogyny. Sprinkle it with misogyny. But it was just he he didn't like their approach. That was his issue with them, um, and so I know that he was having some anxiety, and I didn't want to call him. I almost texted him a joke, you know, during the day. Yeah. Hey, did you remember to vote today? Because I know he's been waiting for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it uh, it was like it was double anxiety. It was my own anxiety, and then anxiety for for other people, you know, who I knew were having anxiety. Was that, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So no, I understand. Yeah. It, it, Trust it was, me. I don't even want to talk to my dad because he was so pro-Trump. You know, like oh, he was. He doesn't even fucking vote, but <laughs> but he's like. But I was like, don't worry, Trump isn't going to be president. I was like, Hillary's going to be president because they put up this whatever. Although I mean, it doesn't matter to me in the end because I didn't vote for either one of them. But, right. You know. Right. But. Yeah, I mean, I was up to almost three in the morning watching that shit. It was compelling, man. Did you watch the Trump speech at two in the morning? I did. I was up, man. By the time, yeah. By the time I I I, um, woke up and and got like the basics, I was, I was compelled. You know, I couldn't turn it off. Well, I had heard that Trump wasn't even prepared to win that shit. That they had to throw together a speech real quick, basically. Which would have made sense for Clinton, which was why she had to wait till the next morning. Because 
you know, there's no way she had a concession speech planned. Yeah. Well, and also, she's a stubborn. She would. She's kind of a stubborn. You know, like it's Trump. They both. They both don't want to lose. Right. You know? I was surprised though by like, I don't know, <coughs> by three o'clock or so our time, maybe four o'clock. Coverage was still going on, and by that point, she had called him to concede. Yeah, well, I think they probably somebody must have had a talk with her about that shit. Yeah, I'm sure because they were like, because when they sent Podesta out there, they were probably just hoping for a miracle in Pennsylvania. Right. You know. Right. Right. And somebody was probably like, uh, you know, the tea leaves are reading. You're gonna look really bad if this goes on. You know. And it's like, not only are you going to lose this state, you're going to lose Wisconsin. You're probably losing Arizona. It's not even going to be a question, you know? Like, if it yep. would have just been, like, one state, maybe. You know, just like how Florida was the state in the 2000 shit, you know? Yes. You know, but it was more than, you know, there was more than one way for her to lose the other night, you know? So, uh, I mean... Uh, it's crazy, man. I mean, I think a lot of, I mean, they had, who's that? I was watching CBS coverage all night. They had Frank Luntz on there and he was saying, talking about the hidden Trump vote that a lot of Trump voters wouldn't straight up cooperate with polls. Right. You know, because a lot of them are anti-establishment and they think that's part of the problem is <laughs> all that shit, <laughs> you know? which I guess is believable to some extent. But I think the other issue is everything, the whole image of Trump voters, everything's based on the East and West Coast, you know, and these people are completely out of touch with what's gone on everywhere else in the country. You know? Right. What the hell does the New York Times know anything about the mindset of people uh, run-of-the-mill people in Wisconsin. You <laughs> right, know? right. <laughs> you know? And that's who's crafting the whole idea that, oh, Hillary's going to win. Like, even when it came on news, they were, you know, they were all ready for that, you know? And then it was clear, and then it became clear, like, oh, shit. And then when he won Ohio, you know, it was like, I remember I was, I was at my mother's house early on, and when they called for Ohio, I was like, oh, damn, everybody wins Ohio, wins the presidency. You right. Because right. <laughs> that's like a bellwether for, like, the mood of the country, you know? Like, it's been a long time since whoever won Ohio didn't win the presidency, man. You know? Yep. I mean, it's insane. I mean, it still boggled my mind because everything about Hillary Clinton it seems so inevitable. Which is what was so terrible about it. But I think that's a thing that hurt her. You know, her inevitableness. She didn't, she's not charismatic. She didn't cause any excitement in the, uh, in, in the electorate. You know, no one was really psyched for going out to vote for her. I guess they said women were, but I think Trump even ended up doing, you know, better with some women than she did. And she only got, she did one percentage point worse than Obama did with women, you know? Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, I mean, and she and she did worse than Obama did with black voters and Hispanic voters. And then on top of it, 
she got six million six million less people voted for her, whereas uh, Trump's numbers are about you know not far off of what Romney got. So basically, the ba- the people she need to get out the vote just were like, "Fuck it, we're not going to vote," you know? Yeah. They just, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, I knew it was going to be a low election turnout, and it was. I mean, because no one was really psyched about this. It was about who you could get. Apparently, what Trump did, which was, you know, what their people did, even though Clinton and them had the better ground game, they said, you know, they had way more money. They had, you know, better staff and everything, you know, better than all. What Trump's people did they went where he was popular anyway, where, where all the counties where Romney got so many votes, you know, and they doubled down, you know, to, to, to ring up, you know, where they, where, where people were open to their message, you know, whereas like, like I'm, I'm saying Wisconsin cause it was one of the last ones and it had gone Democrat every year since nineteen. 19- uh, since from 1988 onwards, I think in '84 they went Reagan. Yeah, of course they went Reagan because everywhere but Minnesota went Reagan in '84, literally. Um, whereas in Milwaukee, which is obviously it's a urban center, so that's a Democrat area. I think they said there was a hundred thousand less votes there this time around. You know. So extrapolate that around the country, all these urban centers that just where people just like, oh, fuck it, you know? Yeah, that I, I saw a graphic that, that essentially said that, you know? Yeah. So don't, you know, don't blame the white, uneducated middle America who came out to vote like they never did before because they didn't. Yeah. Everybody else just stayed away. Yep. Yeah. I mean... And what's insane is Trump even got a higher percentage of Hispanics than friggin' Romney did. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you, no one would have guessed that. Well, you know, it's really funny, and I think it goes to to that silent majority. Yeah. You know, and and there was I was reading some some commentary. Um, just uh, uh, about just that is how could he get this minority vote after his position on immigration, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that those people who those, those immigrants who are here legally have a very similar position to him when it comes to illegals and new immigrants, because those people have done it already. And their yeah. position is, I got mine. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if you want yours, you got to do everything I did plus more because I don't want you coming in here taken away from what I'm entitled to. Right? Yeah. And and that's just human nature. So it makes sense. You know, I don't want government. I don't want the government to get bigger. And I don't want government handouts. And well, I don't it- want people, you know, suckling at the, the teeth. Of the government, but you know what? Uh, I'm kind of cool with some of the tax breaks that I get. I'm kind of cool with some of the supplements I get for yeah. for healthcare. You know, like it's cool for me. Well, but I, I just think don't. The other side of it too it, is this: 
there were a lot of people out there because they were showing the polls too on that. A lot, a large number of people weren't exactly to be voting, excited to be voting for Trump. That voted for Trump, but I think a lot of it might have just been people that were just like, screw it, Hillary's part of the the establishment. They were just so a large number of people were just like anybody but establishment. I mean that, and that's what got Trump. That's that's what got him the nomination in the primaries, and that's what got him the president presidency. You know? Yeah. Like, if Hillary would have gone against Jeb Bush, there's a good chance she would have won because Jeb Bush is an insider. You know? But I think at the end of the day, those people out there, like the Trump voters, and a lot of these people in the you know middle of the country, basically. They're just sick of it. They see it all as the fucking problem, you know, and they just want anything but that. And it just happened to be that Trump was but that this time. Not that they were so psyched to be voting for him, you know? Right. I it's uh, here's here's the poll I was talking about. So here's the five questions they had on there. The first one was, you know, you could rate it four ways. Definitely not happen, probably not happen, probably happen, and definitely happen. Would uh, would run an open and transparent administration. Trump was 55% and definitely not happen, 32% probably not happen. For Clinton, it was 65% definitely not happen. <laughs> you know, I mean, people don't trust her ass. No. Would improve the way government works. For Trump, 55% was definitely not happen. Hillary was 62% definitely not happen. Uh, Would improve U.S. standing across the world. 57% definitely not for Trump. 51% definitely not for Clinton. Um, So those those trend towards Clinton there, that one. Would set a high moral standard for the presidency. 61% definitely not for Trump 56 definitely not for Clinton you know so Clinton wins that one but here's the one would improperly use office to enrich to enrich self or friends and family definitely not was 46 for Trump 42 for Clinton because all right uh, so what this these tell me here is most people thought both of the candidates sucked. You know, it truly was a choice uh, between the lesser two evils for a large for a large percentage of of the electorate. I think, yeah, uh, uh, yeah I think that's that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean, you look at those results of that, you know, and of course, uh, you know, you got fifty seven percent of the people saying, yeah, they would use it to enrich self for friends and family for. For Clinton, because, yeah, they already have a record of doing that before, you know, and Trump's got 52 percent. Yeah, probably because he's a snake oil salesman, you know, (laughs) I don't know. It's freaking nuts. And the other night I watched real briefly on Monday night, they had a frontline show, but I didn't really want to get too much into the election. But I watched the very beginning and. It was talking about in 2011 at the White House Correspondents' Dinner when Seth Meyers was hosted and Obama got up there and railed 
for like five or ten minutes on Trump or whatever, you know? And you've probably seen the video of it, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. And, I mean, a while back on Inside Edition, I remember them saying, like months and months ago, probably even early when he ran on, was this the reason Donald Trump ran? You know? And it's, But it's like it's Inside Edition. How much right. credit does that shit get? Right. Well, this Frontline special, they got, they're showing that again, and they're talking to various people, and they're basically saying, yeah, this is why he ran, because he was so humiliated. And he's like, at that point, he was like, screw friggin' Obama. I'm going to run, and he's going to have to hand over the White House to me. You know? And they were like, that's, and like, they had people like allies that are like, that's why Trump, they had people that knew him, and also people that were like experts on this show, you know? Right. Like, they were talking to Omarosa, of course, because she's on the Trump campaign team and all that. But they had other people, like professors or whatever, talking about it. And, you know, and it was from that moment on, they decided to run. So, A, Obama's complicit there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. For goading Trump into the election. The other thing I think is, I don't think he... I don't even think he thought it was a bad thing to go Trump into the election. I, th I think he probably thought it was a good thing because you probably always think you should be able to beat Donald Trump in the election, you know? Right, right. And I think that that they had an agreement, you know, and I think Obama probably had an agreement that we're going to let Hillary be president this time. You know, since that's who he beat, and then he named her Secretary of State kind of in a conciliatory way, gave her a high level job, you know, and it was like, well, we'll line you up for president, you know, and with that, I mean, which is why there really wasn't anybody stepping out there. I mean, I'm sure they told Joe Biden, don't run, you know, Joe, sorry, you're never going to be president because he's old now, you know, right. But, but I'm sure they were like, nope, you're not going to do it. It's Hillary's turn, you know, which is why they were thrown off when Sanders ran the campaign against them, you know, right. And ended up being more popular and kind of fuck stuff up. But they wanted Donald Trump to be their candidate. You know, they wanted it to be Trump or friggin' Carson or whomever. You know, people they saw as wackos and extremists. You know? So they got what they wanted. And they 100%. still lost. 100%. Yes, which is why I think they would have won if it would have been somebody like Jed or, or anybody like that, you know? Well, I don't think they would have won if it would have been like Marco Rubio, I think. I think she probably would get stopped, but I think there would have been a better chance of her beating uh, somebody like, like a like a Jeb Bush or something, you know? Well, yeah, because they they have each other's playbooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that 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 makes total sense. But I do think she would have got stomped by most of the other candidates. You know, even Cruz. Not not necessarily Cruz, but I think Cruz would have had a better chance to beat her. But I think Rubio, I think Kasich would have really stomped her. Kasich would have would have beaten her a lot more because he was the most sane of the Republican uh, contenders. Yeah, and you know, even that, he still didn't get behind Donald Trump. He he wrote in John McCain. Yeah, <laughs> um, and and he's from Ohio, so that yeah, he's the governor of Ohio. Trump won Ohio. And Kasich was blatantly against them still, you know? Right. right. Yeah, so, 
I think Kasich would have won a lot easier than than Trump won, you know? Yeah. But the other thing I want to talk about, what I wanted to get into, is this whole idea, because you know Hillary's up on the, uh, she's up by 0.2 percentage points on the popular vote. Um. Okay. I I knew she was up. I didn't know what the yeah. what the current. Yeah, it's it's in the hundreds of like, within a span of two to three hundred thousand votes or something like that. You know. Okay. Or a hundred to three hundred is the spread. It's changing, of course, because they're still counting votes. You know. Yeah. Because they still haven't officially called Arizona or Michigan yet. I don't believe. I was looking at that earlier today. They're still pink. On the New York Times website, which means they're still too close to call technically. Even though I think Arizona's pretty solid, looking at the numbers, but but they must be they must have a lot of absentee votes out there. But they're both still. But Michigan's even closer still. But I think it but it still leans Trump. You know, right? Uh, but he's got enough electoral votes otherwise from all the other states that have been called. Right. Right. Uh. So, as it comes to all the time when this happens, and especially since 2000 when it happened, because people are like, well, we should have the popular vote, you know, because this is unfair that the Electoral College gets to decide it when one party won the popular vote. Well, my take is on this. I mean, I, my take used to be the reason to not get rid of the Electoral College was because the candidates would just completely ignore small states that they have to go to now, you know? Yep. But I saw something else that was actually, which is, which is what they would still do. But I read something in the Washington Post and it made sense to me and, and, more, and it definitely makes sense. It was like, uh, it was a post yesterday by a guy he's like Hillary being ahead in the popular vote right now does not mean she would have won the popular vote if that's how we went for the pop if that's how we voted for president you follow I I think so but keep going because this is the thing Uh, because they're campaigning towards the electoral college votes. And what that means is <clears throat> if you're going to be guaranteed to win a state or you're going to be guaranteed to lose a state, you're just not going to campaign that state e- anyway. So, so like, like Donald Trump wasn't going to Texas and Hillary Clinton wasn't going to Texas. Because Trump had that in the bag. Yes. And Donald Trump... And Hillary are neither gone to New York or or California. You know, they're not wasting their time campaigning in those states because those are both solidly Democrat. Okay. Now, so the thing is, on the electoral college system, okay, so people like like say here in Louisiana, which was definitely gone Trump. So you got a lot of people that just might not vote at all, whether they're for Trump or for Hillary here, because, well, why bother to go vote? Hillary's got no shot of winning here. Or why bother to go vote? Trump doesn't need my vote. Right. So the 
the numbers are already being suppressed because of the electoral college. You know, which means if they didn't have the electoral colleges based on popular vote, well, all the can both of the cancer would be spending a lot more time in those three states and the other states where there was big populations because you'd have to mine out and get all those people out who were just going to sit at home because it's not worth their while because the way the electoral college is. So, so you can't just say because Hillary won the popular vote now means she would have won the popular vote in a popular vote system. Makes sense. Because, yeah, Texas is the second biggest state, but New York and California, the one in the the number one and number three states in population, you know, so that alone might just count account for for her advantage, you know? Right. So so it's so it's too simplistic to say, well that's why it should be the popular vote, because you can't do it after because it's a different campaign if it's a popular vote system, as opposed to the electoral college system where you gotta go spend time in Ohio and Florida and uh, I mean, which are big states, but they're but they're highly contested states, which is more important than anything. You know. Well, the in addition, the popular vote also opens up the door for a plurality. Yeah. Theoretically, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, imagine having a a, a president elected where it's only forty percent. Yeah, well, what was um, Bill Clinton the first time he was elected? It was only in the low forties or something. You know what was it? It was because Perot was Perot was right. I think you know, like it wasn't like it wasn't exactly a mandate in the popular numbers. You know, right? But in 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 that case, you could have you could have a right wing party who is you know. Who has organized itself in a place like Texas? <clears throat> you could have an extremist left-wing party that's organized itself somewhere in a place like, you know, New York, Washington, yeah. California, and and that opens up the possibility of that once-in-a-lifetime anomaly, right? Where yeah, fill in the blank, man. White supremacist group, you know, anti-Semitic group. You know, black power group, whatever it is, who is no longer an overwhelming uh, demographic minority, right? They've got numbers. Yeah. They've got they've got a, a, a population that, in a popular vote system, could overcome the hurdles. Yep. Right. Heard the the guys uh, guys next door who. Um, I don't know. They bug me sometimes, anyway, just because they're annoying. <laughs> but um, they're a little too—they're a little too Pollyanna-ish. And I had uh, oh, hold on. I'm going to shut my window here just in case they've got their windows open. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got to live next door to them, you know. I don't yeah, no kidding. I know. Start any battles. Um, but a while ago, they had installed. You know, let me just interject real quick that you said that. So, like. <laughs> Was I think it was right after I came back from Chicago. New people had moved in next door, in the house next door, and and there used to be this loud ass air conditioner, but it was on the second floor of the house, little window unit. Okay. But it didn't really bother me because it was on the second floor and I couldn't really hear it, you know. 
And it's the day I come back from Chicago, and it was driving me nuts because the guy put it in the he moved it down into the window, like in their front room where he watches TV and everything. And it's like right next to my house, and it was so loud because it's an old unit. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. This is fucking crazy. So finally, I walked over there one day, uh, you know, uh, during the day, like like the day after I got back. Because I, I even I even scoped out the house, you know, I looked around. I was like, wait, there's another window unit on this other side, like in the same room. But it must have been broken. And okay. he just didn't want to take it out of there. And I knocked on the door. He's like, what's up, man? I was like, dude. I'm going to tell you, that friggin' window is driving me. I mean, that AC is driving me nuts, dude. It's going to drive me nuts. I was like, is there any way you can move it? I was like, because, you know, I was like, we're neighbors, and we're going to have to live next to each other for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't want to hate you. (laughs) Right, right. And listen, that's the way to handle the situation, you know? That's that's the way to defuse it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was Um, like, yeah, I'll move it, man, because he knew it was fucking loud. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so the guys next door, they're a little Pollyanna-ish. Yeah. And, you know, they just, they're a little annoying sometimes. Yep. And uh, this summer they had installed a um, full home uh, emergency generator, a big generator to power the whole okay. house in the in the event that we lose power. And I asked them. I said, "What you know? What spurred that? What you know? Would you guys? Why'd you guys decide to get a generator?" And they said, "We, uh, after living through Sandy, we decided that that we needed to have our own power, and that makes sense. You know, it was a tough couple of weeks. Some people were were without power for 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 like a month, and yeah, you know. I mean, generator sales went through the roof here after Katrina. So I figured they didn't want to be uncomfortable for a couple." couple weeks so i totally understand it and they said yeah i mean after all that red tape and bureaucracy of sandy we just decided that we don't want to be on the grid anymore (laughs) (laughs) the grid and they said we're you know we want to be self-sufficient wait so are they solely operating off of generators no no okay and i I so they said, don't know what off the grid really means, right? So <laughs> they said we don't want to be we don't want to be relying on anybody. We don't want to be relying on the infrastructure. And I said, especially the gas line that powers that generator, huh? Yeah. And they were oh, just they kind were of, tied into the gas line. Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't know if it was like one that you know where you go fill it up with right, gas. Right. You could here. fill it up with gas and stuff, right? Yeah. But but no, they yeah. you know in making their stand, like it kicks on when the regular yes. electricity goes out. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, because they wanted it right. They wanted it to to be an amenity, and in order for it to be an amenity, you've got to have it, you know, self sufficient. Yeah. yeah, So, so that's kind of their approach on things, and they don't really think it through. And I I overheard. (laughs) They don't really think it through. (laughs) I overheard them talking the other day um, before the election, so I'll give them some credit, but. You know, it was your basic it was your basic anti election rhetoric. You know, this is ridiculous, I can't wait till this is over, blah blah blah. Uh, but their stance was that they're tired of the traditional two party system. They think it sh- we should do away with the two party system, we should do away with the electoral college, and we should have multiple 
multiple parties. Everybody should be represented, and you pick your party, and then all the parties run, and everybody should have a say and should have representation. So they want to be in a parliament. Which, if you have lived in that form of government, you'll quickly tire of that form of government, at least from my opinion, because Curacao had a parliamentary style government. Yeah, where you got to get coalitions and stuff to run the to run everything, right? Because no Eight. one ever gets a majority. Exactly. Yeah. Eight political parties, and the great thing about them is is that they they just call them by colors. <laughs> they don't oh, have names. Really? It's just the orange party, the the purple party, the yellow party, and then they all run, and that's what they do, and they trade votes and and. And come to coalitions, and without without fail, the most corrupt party is able to to rise to power. Yeah, yeah. Curacao's—I forget what they call him. It might be a prime minister. Um, their exalted ruler uh, ruled from jail. <laughs> he, he was in jail. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, it's friggin'. The thing is, even with Trump, like, this is, and this, I mean, I'll get into some criticism of, basically, since, prime, you know, I mean, you can go even back further, but really, since FDR's been the president, we've been in this whole imperial presidency stage, which kind of screwed up the balance, the way the country was supposed to be. It was all, everything's supposed to be equal. You know, between the legislature, the executive, and then the judiciary was supposed to be there to call them out if they were fucking up, you know? Right. But when FDR came in, that's when he started, you know, all the shit he started doing. Like when he tried to put, when he tried to expand the court, you know, he threatened to expand the court, which basically turned out into the court basically rubber stamping all his, his plans, you know? Mm -hmm. And we've lived in this world since then where the executive has way more power than anybody should have, than than it was supposed to have by the Constitution. But it's still hard to get shit done, even if you're the president. You know? So all these people that think all of a sudden, like, shit, I saw on Facebook and stuff that next day is like, oh, no, people posting videos of... Uh, are of about crystal knocked, you know, and the Germans, you know, the night of broken glass. Okay. Like, yes, of course, this is a automatically going to become Nazi fucking Germany because Hitler won. <laughs> right. You know, like it's such hyperbole. I mean, I think about it. What was what was Obama saying? Uh, what did he largely run on when he was elected in two thousand eight? It was, I'm closing Guantanamo Bay the day I get in the office. Now, Guantanamo Bay is still fucking open. He's going to leave office in 70 days. <laughs> it's not that fucking easy to get shit done. You know? Exactly. I mean, when he came in office, he had like a Democrat Senate and everything. You know, it's not that easy to get shit done. You know, he had a Democratic Congress. It's it's difficult, man. Like, it's not going to be, you know, 
I don't think they're ever going to build the fucking wall, and they shouldn't build the wall because it's a terrific waste of money. You know? (laughs) I mean, mean, people do know how to make fucking build tunnels. You know? (laughs) I was wondering uh, what what this episode uh, was going to be entitled, because I think we might have had an episode called Politico once before, where we, we really dove deep. But uh, a ter- a terrific waste of money is uh, is the title of this, this <laughs> week's episode. <laughs> well, I've seen that it could cost up to like two hundred million dollars or something stupid like that. You know, right? Right. Like, is that really freaking worth it? Then the whole idea, what you're going to be like, gone through the middle of like these cities with the wall, you know? Because there's cities, literally cities, that are on the border. Right. You know, right. it's going to be like fucking the Berlin Wall where they have. The houses and buildings that are cut off where one side of the building is is in West Germany and the other side is East Germany. How fucking preposterous is that <laughs> idea? <laughs> I mean, you've seen about that, right, with the Berlin Wall and they had shit like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, oh, how ridiculous is Whoops, sorry, I went out the wrong door. I'm in East Germany. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> oh, God. But it's not that easy to get shit done. You know, in the Constitution, like all the people bitching about gridlock, gridlock isn't a bug. It's a feature of the Constitution. That's why we have the Electoral College. It was all against mob rule. It was all against one party. It was all against any one party just being able, not party like political party, but party like person or group or whatever, you know, being able to just run wild and make all their own rules without any checks on it. Hence checks and balances. You know, so every time people bitch about the gridlock, it's like, well, there's supposed to be gridlock. And you know what? Let's hope there's gridlock now because that's what should be going on. You know, because you don't want the most extreme shit being passed either way. Because it's not, that's not the will of the fucking 50% of the country. That's what 50% of the country says isn't the will of the fucking people. You know? Right. And it's just, I don't know. So now, you know, even though maybe they'll have a new respect for federalism, the Democrats, because that's another thing which has led to the situation they found themselves in losing the election, I think is one, they overreached, you know, they want government to be in control of everything. Now their big fear is, oh, no, we got somebody who wants government to be in control of all this shit that we don't want them to be controlling. Right, right. (laughs) You know, so, I mean, it speaks to why we should friggin' uh, be more respectful of federalism the way it was supposed to be, you know? So the people in California definitely don't want it the way the friggin' people in Nebraska want to run their shit, you know? So let it be that way. Let's not enforce everything, you know, to a certain extent. Obviously not discrimination and shit that needs to... There are certain things that do need to be handled by the federal government. You know, it's just like back when they were deciding, like, you know, like Brown versus Board and all this shit. There was a point where you couldn't sit there and wait for Mississippi and all these other southern states to come in and Louisiana, whomever, to come into the 20th century, you know? Right. So there are times when the government will have to step in, but not everything needs to be micromanaged by the federal government. You know, and it's like, if you want to do a thing a certain way, run it that certain way yourself. But why fucking 
why why should the way you want it in California be the way the guy in Utah needs to have it? You know, I mean, maybe they'll become more respectful of that bullshit. You know, bullshit by, uh, I mean, federalism. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know that bullshit. <laughs> Oh man. I don't know. There's a lot of problems, man. Yeah, there are a lot of problems. And I don't know that I would have been I, I, I that I would have been particularly optimistic if there was another result, you know? I, yeah, that exactly. That's the same way I'm feeling. And uh, you know, I think it just goes to like Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the when I was a young when I was younger you know, we'd go to uh, we'd go to family functions, especially especially my dad's side of the family functions, which was, you know, it was it was Italian, uh, a bunch of Italian sisters, yeah, and they all had these husbands, and they were all old, you know. So these are my great aunts and uncles, or my dad's aunts and uncles, and uh, you know, all the guys, all the men, would just be in the living room, slumped over. Sad and defeated because they have to live their lives with these with these crazy Italian women, right? <laughs> yep. you know, who just beat them down every day, and you know, and they were all crazy, and they're you know they don't you know they don't cut anybody any slack, especially their family. Like all the sisters hated each other, and my mother you know. always warns me never to marry an Italian woman because her mother in law friggin' was nuts. Right, right. <laughs> so that was my impression of like that was my impression of an old man, you know, just like tired yeah. and defeated, especially Being down, especially back in the seventies, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, the economy sucked. And yeah, everything's terrible. And you know, these are all working class guys who, you know, blue collar guys. They were, you know, we didn't come from a family of doctors and lawyers. Yeah, you know, I hear you. I'm factory work. Yeah, I'm not from that upper class, you know. And I always just thought that's what it meant to be an old man. But yeah, now I I I, I don't think so. I think that's just what it is to be a middle aged member of society. You know, yeah. I just feel like I just I feel beaten. Yeah, you know what about that. I mean, I might have said so- I might have said this recently on a show, but I was saying to a friend the other day, I was telling, you know, who's, you know, eight years younger than me, but I was telling her, I was like, you know, the song Jack and Diane. When I was little, I really didn't know what that meant. The one lyric, I just thought it was oh, a cool song, you know, cool thing to sing. But they say, long after the thrill of living is gone. But it's like now more than ever do I know what that fucking means. You know, it's like as a kid, I didn't know. I, you need to become, you need to basically reach middle age to know what the hell that song meant. Because you know? <laughs> it's like, here you are. It's like, this is just fucking life, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. The thrill of living is definitely fucking gone. <laughs> it's been gone for a long time. The thrill of living is when you're in your freaking 20s. And, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what? I don't it's – a, it's, it's a weird line to, to walk because I don't feel like a loser, right? That's not in my mentality. Is I don't wake up and I'm not uh, 
you know, I'm not forlorn and, you know, woe is me and the whole world is against me. Yeah. But I do feel like I'm fucking losing. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, I don't feel like a loser in that sense. Like, the world's against me. It's just I feel like... I'm not winning. Fucking, what the fuck's the point of right. anything, you know? Right. It I mean, like... Like, I mean, I think there's probably people making friggin' $200,000 a year that feel the same yeah, yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Oh, absolutely. People that are doing very well, people that have all the trappings, don't have student loan debt, live in nice houses, and they probably feel the same fucking yeah, way. Yeah, totally, man. You know, it's not that you're a loser. It's just that fucking, what's their, what is what is the point, man? And, and right, it's not any one aspect. It's not my personal life. It's not... It's not my financial uh, situation. It's not yeah. my family. You know, it's not this. It's not that. It's just the, the it it it's the whole shooting match. Jeez. But uh, yeah, that's it, man. That's 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 kind of where yeah where we are. You know. Yep. I mean, it's like, what's my reason? You know, what's my what's it? Race on, Detroit. You know, whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I mean. And it's definitely hard when you're this age and you're, I mean, I hate to sound like a broken record. You're this age, you're single, you know, you're living, it's like, all right, you're just going by and you're doing stuff. But it's like, you know, it's like, I guess this is why, you know, people go having kids and shit, you know? Because if you're just living for yourself, there ain't much reason to be fucking doing anything. Well, um, I mean, you know what I mean. You know? I do. I do know. I do know what you mean. And on that note, with apologies to Girk's brother, we will see you guys next week. Yeah. Uh, good night, Fredo, and uh, I hope uh, President-elect Trump lets you back into the country. <laughs> <laughs> Buena suerte, Alfredo. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>